Welcome to this Frequency Matters podcast. I'm Pat Hindle, and I'm talking today with Paul Head, Director of Next Generation Technologies, Advanced Technology at Raytheon. Welcome, Paul. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate you having me. So uh, Raytheon recently won a contract to build high-power microwave systems for the U.S. military and successfully demonstrated the Chimera high-power microwave system during the field test. Can you tell us about those programs that are involved in systems? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So yes, we uh, we recently received a three-year, $31 million contract. Uh, it came from the Naval Surface Warfare Center uh, Dahlgren Division to design and build uh, two prototype high-power microwave antenna systems uh, for the U.S. Navy and the U.S. Air Force. Uh, th this work that we're doing is part of the uh, DEFEND program. Uh, DEFEND stands for Directed Energy Frontline Electromagnetic Neutralization and Defeat. Uh, the, the goal of this program is to use directed energy to defeat airborne threats at the speed of light. And Chimera was the Air Force's ground-based prototype. Uh, it's a standalone HPM system built as a technology demonstrator to uh, fire highly concentrated uh, radio frequency energy at multiple mid to long range targets. It really is the phase zero for, for DEFEND program. Uh, we've been working in partnership with the Air Force Research Lab uh, for several years now on Chimera. Uh, and the recent testing, I decided to share the news about our recent tests uh, out of White Sands. It's, as I mentioned, phase zero of the overall DEFEND effort, kind of sets the stage for the new prototypes we're working on to DEFEND. Uh, we've also partnered with uh, the Navy and the Missile Defense Agency uh, to help make this technology successful. And so Raytheon's been a leader in the use of high-power microwaves for nearly a century. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the importance of these systems and what you're doing to field the capability faster? Yeah, as you mentioned, we've been working in microwave technology for many, many years. Uh, really, what, what we're doing here with uh, high-power microwave is using uh, microwave energy in a different way. Uh, folks are very familiar with how we use them today in our sensors and, and radar applications and our communication systems. But here we're using it as uh, an effector. And with the current threat environment, um, we are seeing a, a driving need uh, to continue funding these, these type of uh, developments. Uh, every new threat we see out there, air, airborne threats, uh, they're reliant on increasingly complex electronics. And, and the way high-power microwave works is it, it, it attacks those electronics uh, disables them and, and therefore pre prevents those threats from doing their job. Uh, during the last five years, uh, we've seen a number of demonstrations that kind of show the, the viability and the cost advantage of using directed energy to counter these threats as opposed to kinetics. Uh, our goal here is, is to develop and field these high-power microwave systems ahead of our adversaries, uh, and that, that way we're better prepared to deal with these types of threats. We at Raytheon have been investing in this technology for decades. Uh, what we're doing here is, is simply, as I mentioned before, a, a new application uh, of the technology and how we're going to use it. One of the things that we're investing our own money in is looking at how to integrate these systems with all of the other existing uh, systems out there today, our existing uh, sensors and command and control networks uh, to be most effective in a layered defense mode. We're doing this in collaboration with our U.S. government partners. We're not doing it alone. We're, we're, working, uh, we're working together. Uh, and what we want to bring is a system of systems to put everything out there that works well together and doesn't negate the things that are, that are out there already. We, we view this as an augmentation of, of the systems that are existing today. So can you tell us about the counter-electronic high-power microwave extended range air 
based defense system. It's known as Chimera, if people didn't know that. You know, what are its capabilities and applications and how does it fit into this scenario? Yeah, so Chimera is a ground-based demonstration system. Uh, as I mentioned before, it's built to fire highly concentrated RF or radio frequency energy at, at multiple targets, uh, mid to long range targets. Uh, and it's much higher power than, than some of the HPM systems uh, that we've seen in the past. It, it's a standalone system um, uh, we developed with uh, the Air Force Research Lab. And it works much like any other uh, HPM or, or microwave system. We take a low average input power and we compress it down to very short pulse durations uh, using pulse power subsystems. And then we convert those pulses to microwave energy using RF source uh, subsystems. And then we take and emit that energy into free space using the antenna. Uh, the analogy here would be, you know, filling a balloon really, really slowly through a soda straw and then releasing it all at once by popping it. That's essentially what our pulse power system is doing, except we're doing that with electrical energy in a very controlled and very repeatable way. That energy we then convert to microwaves in our RF sources and we emit into free space and direct them at the, the threat that we're, we're targeting using our antenna. The high power microwave uh, and, and other non-kinetic systems such as lasers, um, we see as, as a part of the layered defense strategy that the US is employing. Um, they're, they're, I mentioned uh, before, they're, they're cost effective in that they operate at the speed of light and really only use the power inside your generator um, as opposed to firing a, a kinetic effector at, at the at The way they work uh, on the target uh, is by attacking uh, the electronics within that target. An analogy would be to take your cell phone, put it in the microwave. There's going to be lots of sparks. Uh, when you take it out, it's not going to work very well uh, if it works at all uh, when it comes out. So that, that's essentially what we're trying to do at targets that are very, very far away. And that's why we have the large antenna. Uh, on top to project that energy out uh, and target it at, at, at the incoming threats. Ultimately, we want to be we want to allow our, our warfighters to defeat incoming threats quickly uh, and in, in, in cost effective ways. The, if you look at uh, the threats that we're going to see uh, that we are seeing, um, you know, there are large raids that, that come in. Um, use, for example, if you have 20 incoming threats, uh, if we put a system like this out at the front line, and use it first and we're able to disable even half of those threats, that's, uh, that's 10 things that our, our air defenders no longer need to track, uh, pay attention to, and, and ultimately um, uh, engage with some type of effector. And it's great, you don't need to reload it. You're not uh, hitting it with $200,000 missiles that you have to keep replenishing. Can you describe how the Chimera test went? You know, What were some of the objectives going into the test and what did your team achieve? Yeah, so in cooperation with uh, the Air Force Research Lab uh, and the Navy, uh, we, we successfully completed a three-week test uh, of the Chimera uh, system uh, out of White Sands uh, Missile Range in New Mexico. We were very pleased the system performed exceptionally well. During the test, we had the goal of applying directed energy uh, to static target variations that we put uh, out there uh, to, to fire at. And Really what we were looking for was the repeatability and the predictability of what the, the, the RF energy applied would do to those targets. Uh, and we're happy to say that, that, that we saw exactly what we expected uh, in those testing. Second goal of the test was, uh, was to demonstrate the end-to-end -end fire control. Uh, and we were successful in doing that also uh, by, by acquiring and tracking uh, the target, the airborne air uh, targets that we had out there. 
And we maintained that track throughout the entire flight. Uh, the other piece of this uh, that we were really, really proud of is the system showed really good ruggedness uh, out in the desert. It stayed out in the desert environment uh, for well over a month and, you know, faced adverse conditions. There was wind in excess of 60 miles an hour. There was rain. Uh, and the system was able to uh, survive through all of that uh, and work uh, with minimal upkeep uh, while it was out in the field. We were really, really proud of that. Uh, and as Dr. Welsh, uh, the director of AFRLRD, highlighted, uh, this test really shows the power of, of industry partnering with government to address warfighter needs. So how have you addressed the reliability and mobility of these systems in general? Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, that's really the key with any new technology. You know, first we need to show the viability of that technology, uh, and then we need to make sure it's, it, it's, it's robust enough to be deployed. And uh, as I mentioned before, we're really proud of the way that, that Chimera uh, performed uh, out in the desert and in the environmental conditions that it, that it was facing. The challenge we face uh, with this technology is to have the effects at far enough range that the air defenders have time to assess whether or not it was effective. And if they haven't been, they can then fire a kinetic capability at it. So range is, is really one of the challenges that we focus on and, and it's what we fight with, with microwave energy. We're working closely with our customers and, and uh, the, the government labs to ensure that the systems are, are easily usable and maneuverable for the specific environments they need to be used for. And, and really the challenge there is, is swap, size, weight, and power. So what we're doing with, with the, the learning uh, that we had out of the field with Chimera, we're taking some of that, uh, that data and, and we're using that, that data to guide the development. And as we look to the defend effort, we really want to use that to improve upon these systems, make them more rugged, uh, make them more reliable, and get them down into the, the swap uh, that they need to be to be fielded. Again, I'll highlight the need here uh, for continued you know, funding of these, these tests and these, these opportunities for learning. Uh, they really drive the, the, the development in a positive way for our warfighters. So uh, what other types of high energy microwave systems is RTX working on and, you know, what applications do they address? Yeah, so Raytheon, we have a long history of developing and manufacturing all types of microwave systems, radar, electronic warfare, uh, communication systems. Uh, from a directed energy perspective, right now we're really focused on uh, taking the learning from, from Chimera and applying that to the, the two high power microwave uh, prototypes under the DEFEND program in conjunction with our, with our partners. We're on target to deliver those, uh, those prototype, uh, that prototype hardware to our customers in 2024, uh, and then again, uh, the second system in 2026. Uh, and these systems really are looking at the, the airborne threats uh, in a layered defense architecture. That's, that's really been our focus right now. Uh, and then taking that uh, those prototypes and integrating them uh, along with our government lab partners, uh, integrating them into, into prototype demonstrations to further the goal of getting them fielded and in the hands of our warfighters. The, the other piece that, that we at Raytheon are, are focused on is uh, how do we use these in conjunction with the systems that are already out there? Uh, if we take and, and hand our warfighters, our air defenders, uh, new tools, that they aren't properly prepared to use or they, they look completely different than what they already have, it's not gonna be all that useful. So we really need to make sure that, that we integrate them with things that they're comfortable with and in ways that they, that they can pick them up and use them. And so how has what we've seen in the Ukraine-Russian war affected the design of these systems? Because there's a lot of electronic warfare and drones and things that have been uh, in the news. So I'm wondering how that worked. 
Yeah, the uh, I think if you look at current world events uh, right now, uh, and for, for the most part, that's really driving uh, the need for these uh, and the demand signal for for things like directed energy. You know, they provide the air defenders, uh, you know, depth of fire, and that's really where HPM shines in, in the depth of fire and the cost per shot. I mentioned before these are these are intended to be frontline systems, augmenting our other defenses. As we look at you know. HPM and, and for that matter, you know, lasers and, and kind of any types of, of directed energy, uh, we look at these not as, as a replacement for the, the, you know, the kinetic effectors and the missiles that are out there, uh, but really an augmentation. We've been a, a we at Raytheon have been a leader in, in, high, in high power microwaves and in microwave technology for a long time. Uh, and our engineers are, are really expert at looking at these uh, kinetic and non-kinetic defense systems and trying to figure out where the layers make the most sense to put these in. What we've looked at, in particular with these systems, is take the first shot and as many shots as you can with an HPM or a laser. And, and the word we use is kind of trying to thin the herd uh, of what's coming in to preserve our kinetic, uh, our kinetic effectors for future raids or for, for other, other purposes. Yeah, that all makes very good sense. You know, what are some of the future developments you see coming in the next few years looking forward? Another good question. You know, like like many other uh, programs, SWAP, uh, as I mentioned before, is something that comes into play as you try to field these systems. The smaller they are, the less they weigh, and the less power they take, the, the, the more easy they are to deploy. And so as we look to, you know, the future and what, you know, future developments, we really want to shrink those down uh, and make them more deployable uh, and get them in as many places as we can. And, and along with that comes cost, right? And you want to get the cost down to make them as effective, as cost effective as possible. Our focus, uh, you know, and as we look at these systems now and these new tools is to put them in, drop them in uh, and make them as, as compatible with the systems that are out there. And that also goes to the swap, right? If we can make them smaller, they take up less space and they're easier to drop in with, with existing. Uh, existing. Uh, I'll say the, the, the last piece of uh, you know, development that we see coming in the, in the future years is as the threats evolve um, and we see different types of aerial threats, different types of, of, of uh, electronics in those threats, we need to be continually iterating our systems to be able to quickly and effectively disarm those threats. Um, so we do a lot of work in looking at uh, what's going to be most effective uh, and then employing that in our systems. And I think that's where the future of this technology. Well, thanks, Paul, for talking with me today about Raytheon's history and your current work in the high power microwave systems and their applications area. We hope to circle back with you maybe after the contract and check in on more results. That would be great to do. To our audience, you can find more podcasts at podcast.microwavejournal.com. Thanks for listening.